The following is brought to you in part by MFC Studios. The views of the show's host and guests do not necessarily reflect those of the management, owners, or staff of this radio station. And now, it came from the radio. We are here live on tape at the Samanya Mall in front of a live studio audience. This is our 26th show, uh, courtesy of the East Meadows Public Library. I am here with our senior correspondent, Charlie Saladino. Hey, everybody. And no love for Charlie. Obviously, the audience doesn't love Charlie. And we have our very special guest, a friend of the show. She is an author. She is an actress. She is a ghost tour guide, right? I remember yes, that one. Yes. Anything else that I missed? Did I miss anything? Uh, artist? Artist, artist, yes, absolutely. Dancer? So, uh, no, former. Former dancer. There's only so many hats I can wear at the same time. Singer? Yeah, sometimes. And singer, Liana Renee Hebert. to with and about her in just a few minutes because she's here, which makes it awesome. But first, we have to take it away with the news. The news is brought to you in part by the Fine Folks of the Big Apple Con, of which we are the official radio show of, celebrating over 24 or 3 or 2 years of uh, comic book stuff and pop culture-ness. Uh, the next convention will be... The next convention will be on December 14th as uh, the Big Apple Christmas Con. For more information, go to www.bigapplecc.com. Um, their headliner will be Sam J. Jones from Flash Gordon, the original Flash Gordon, and Peter Scolari will be there. And also, in April, they're going to have the regular Big Apple Con, and they're going to have uh, none other than Jason David Frank, the original Green Power Ranger, as their headliner. Also, I want to mention uh, shout-outs for our Patreons, of which there are... Danny Grillo, award-winning director Jared Burrell, Two Sentence Horror, Kyle Horn, Millie Portez, Dresden Media, Unji Kun, and Shadow Rabbit Art. I um, love that name. Unji Kun, yes. Yeah. Uh, if you guys want to have uh, uh, your own shout-out, go to www.patreon.com, look up the Came From Radio in the search bar, and just for a dollar, you can uh, get your own little shout-out on our show. And now let's take it away with the news. As always, we start off with the sad news. So we have actor William Wintersoul uh, died recently of complications from cancer. William had appeared in such shows as Kojak, Little House on the Prairie, Quincy, M.E., Bonanza, and The Fugitive, just to name a few. But he is most famous for playing Mitchell Sherman on a daytime soap opera, The Young and the Restless, for over 20 years. And he was also on General Hospital as Ted Ballantine. I know, Charlie, you... Uh, Used to work with the soaps, right? When you were in ABC. I used to work with the soaps, but fortunately, uh, that was on Channel Four, right? The Young and the Restless. Young and the Restless on. Yes. I worked with all my children, one life to live. And so you were, you were, you were the Ryan's opposite. Hope. You were the opposite. You were the enemy. And Dark Shadows. Yes. Oh, Dark Shadows. That's the best. <laughs> yeah, that was. That that relates definitely to yeah. my to Dark what Shadows. I did. Actually, when that ended, Ryan Ryan's Hope took over that studio. Oh, so. right. Okay. Yeah, but other than that, I didn't I didn't work on the Young and the Restless. You a soap fan, the man? Um, I, I, 
I was very excited whenever they would cast me and hire me as a background actor because the um, the money was good um, back when they were doing that a lot in New York. Um, so I, I enjoy them very much, but I was never one. I never had like this was my one show that was my show. Did I you sort of uh, just you never had? On? I got to watch my show. My show. No, I didn't. Not yeah. not about not about the soaps. I yeah. did about Star Trek and about uh, science science fiction and fantasy. I you yeah. know I I was a Doctor Who fan before it was cool. So huh? you know that. That's, that's really where my fandom lays. So, yeah. Were you ever on a Young and the Restless? Um, not that one. I did. Um, I'm trying to remember Days which the other. Yeah. So it was background on several of the other ones, just not that. Not Young and the Restless. So. So he was a, a spry eighty-eight. Well, it's a good life. Yeah. Sin. Always bad news when we lose somebody. I know it, it is. is. Uh, speaking of soaps, the producers of the show Days of Our Lives have released the entire cast of their contracts with the show to set to go on an indefinite hiatus uh, recording its final episode at the end of November of this year. What's interesting about this is that according to NBC, the show has not been canceled and due to the fact that the show, much like ours but not in the same extent, records its shows to be aired at a later date, they have enough episodes as of right now to continuously run through the summer of next year. Of course they do. Um, and it has been noted that all this stuff happens just before NBC is deciding whether or not to renew the show for its 51st season. Yeah, I was going to say that. that so is going... they release the entire cast, fire everybody, to decide whether or not they're going to bring back the show because obviously it's a, uh, a, a budget thing. So now they can mm -hmm. renegotiate all the contracts with all these stars. If they yeah. want to come back, mm -hmm. they're like, you have to come back for cheaper, or they're just not going to do the show. Um, I remember... That, I, is, that is typical corporate America. They get rid of... They, they, they fix what not, what's not broken. <laughs> right. This show will continue. Days of All Lives would continue to make money. Mm -hmm. But they wanted more, so I hope they want they to get, make more money. I hope they get screwed. <laughs> so you want the show to get canceled? No, no, no. Well, we, I, we I want, want artists to, to be treated fairly. We want artists and performers right. and writers to be treated those fairly. Those people busted That's their what, chops all those years yes. to make that show. Yes. To make the network money. Right. And then some corporate piece of crap comes in. <laughs> How do you really feel? Really really my friend. Yeah. This reminds me of my favorite soap opera, it was nighttime soap, which is a Nats Landing. Mm -hmm. And the that show, was fun. yeah, the show was <laughs> doing so well throughout the years, and the cast got bigger and bigger, and they were staying there for so long. The salaries just kept on getting higher and higher and higher, but the ratings stayed the same. Yeah. And I remember towards the end, all the actors decided to take a pay cut, so that way all the actors could stay on the show for another year. Right as opposed to them firing a lot of the cast members. Yeah. So I remember how that was back in back then, which was in the 90s. So now this must be a 51-year-old show. It must be super expensive just for some of those guys. Yeah, but so. you know what? Don't let them keep, they're making money. Well, yeah, but they want to make more money. <laughs> they, like, they like more money. They don't want to make less money. Yeah, well, who do they think they are, Disney? <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving along. From the, from the follow department, um, in a previous episode, we mentioned that in Canada, a parent was suing a video game company because the game was too addictive. Um, well, recently, a 17-year-old teenager in Thailand died from a stroke following a marathon-long computer gaming session. According to the father, oh boy, here we go, uh, Piawat Harikun, 
was found collapsed on his chair and his pile of takeout containers on the desk and a soda at the boy's feet. Wow. Uh, medics believe that he died from playing constantly through the night, which in turn caused a fatal stroke. Uh, Jaranawit, the father, says, I called his name and said, wake up, wake up, wake up. But he did not respond. I could see he was dead. I tried to warn him about his relentless hours of playing games and he promised to reduce it, but it was too late. He had already died before he had a chance to change. I want my son's death to be an example and warning for parents whose children are game addicts. They need to be more strict on their children playing hours, otherwise they will end up like my son. Um, yeah. Wow. That's, wow. that's so something. Obviously not an Italian family. Well, it's a Thailand because Thailand family. The father would have went in and told him, I want you to cut that. Then he would have came in the next week. Now this happens. Take, that, take the, the system. Take yeah. it easy. He would have, you know. So we actually mentioned that um, in Canada it was noted that it's a, it's a disorder being addicted to games. So now they'd open up a whole lawsuit, um, a whole lawsuit for this stuff to happen. Yeah, un and now people are. Unfortunately, this young man probably had other issues right, right. that other weren't conducive right. yes. to a stressful environment. Uh, yeah. so, but so. unfortunately, that's, that's, that's really that's sad. That's yeah. really sad. Uh, moving on. Uh, ooh, Do like we have any happy news? Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Let's see. Uh, from the, if this was a movie, it would be a little too convenient department. The Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office has formally dropped a case against actor Kevin Spacey due to the accuser dying. The cause of death is still under investigation. For those of you who aren't paying attention, the accuser, a massage therapist, alleged that Kevin Spacey tried to kiss him and forced him to grab his genitals during a session in Malibu in October 2016. The accuser, who was never identified, went to the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, which referred to the investigation to the DA's office in July of 2018. The DA's office has been reviewing the matter since then and has not made a decision on whether or not to bring charges at the time of the accuser's death. The accuser's civil attorney who had filed suit against Kevin in September 2018 notifies Spacey's lawyers that the accuser had died last month. The DA says, during the course of the investigation, Sounds nothing like the, the DA. victim passed away. The sexual assault allegations cannot be proved without the, participant, without the participation of the victim, thus the case is declined. The DA's office had previously declined to file another case against Kevin, noting that the allegation fell outside the statute of limitations, and a third case was dropped after the accuser invoked the Fifth, Element, Fifth, Fifth Amendment during the evidentiary hearing, um, which is a right against forced self-discrimination. So this is three separate incidents of Kevin Spacey being accused of something, and all three has been dismissed. Fascinating. If this was a movie, this would be pretty interesting. Would, I would say he did it, and he's trying to cover it up. But it's not, so I think it's kind of weird how that That's thing great. happens. I think, unfortunate I think there was somewhere a guy called Irving giving yes, out some... Is that what happened? Is that what happened? Shut up, money. Yeah. <laughs> now... Here's one million dollars and a turkey. Go. <laughs> now, you've been an actress in, in the world for many years. So I can, I can ask you directly about the whole sexual harassment and the Me Too movement and all that stuff. Is that something that you were a witness to? Is that something that maybe you've been in, 
an, an unwilling participant in it. No, not an unwilling participant. I mean, it's one of those things where there is sexism. There's definitely sexism, yeah. sexism that is rampant across all kinds of industries. So there were moments when I had to step uh, forward and just sort of make it very known that I wasn't going to play the types of games that some people wanted to play. I was very pointedly told by a casting director once that um, because I'm goth and because I like to dress the way I like to dress, that I wasn't going to get roles because I wasn't sort of malleable enough to sort of his vision or whatever, and that was simple. Um, but and I, I we'll think edit it out later. <laughs> well, no, sorry, FCC, that was simple. Um, so. But it's one of those things where I, I, I stand with victims and I stand with folks who have felt like they can't um, be in a safe working environment because I do know that that has been a problem. And so I think uh, speaking truth to power and I think that um, standing with folks who have had um, discrimination, um, whether it's you know racism or whether it's sexism, all of that stuff I do think should be rooted out, and I think that everybody should have you know an equal playing field, and none of that stuff should be in play in 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 things like um, uh, in the arts where there's positions of power that are in play. There's always going to be you know a, a, an opportunity to abuse that power, and I don't think that should ever be um, you know tolerated. So. Um, so moving on to a little, little lighter news, sort of, maybe, kind of. <laughs> there we go. Live studio audience enjoyed what she had to say. Good job. Live studio audience. From the You Only Play Chuck Norris on TV department, um, actor Jared Padlecki, who was announced on a previous show that has landed a lead role in a reboot of the series, uh, in the TV series, Walker, Texas Ranger, has found himself in a, arrested facing two counts of assault and one count of public intoxication. According to early reports, Jared struck a bartender in the face while inside the bar, as well as potentially hitting one general manager after getting into an argument with him. A friend took him outside in an attempt to calm him down, which ultimately led Jared to putting that man in a headlock shortly before authorities arrived. Bail had been set at $15,000 and caused Jared to miss a convention appearance with his Supernatural co-star Jensen Ankles. Wow. Uh, and at said convention, Jensen said, We all miss my big dumb friend. And I'll just say it now, look, he had a bad weekend, and he's dealing with what he's got to deal with, so let's just send him some support and love. So if you don't know, Walker, Texas Ranger was the show with Chuck Norris. He is now cast in this Chuck Norris role, and therefore, that's why it's not... Chuck Norris. Really? You know what was the wrong move? What was the wrong move? Here we go. The headlock part. Should not have done the headlock. And I'll tell you why. Why? As a security officer. As a security that is the worst thing you could do because you can get put away for because you're obstructing the airway and that's attempted murder. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so never. Word to the I mean, we have you ever have, put anybody in the headlock? No, I agree. We have people Let's, beating yeah. the crap out no. of us. We cannot put them in a headlock because huh. we will be put away. Have have either you two ever That's been why put I bring into a headlock? No. 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 Charlie, you ever been put into a headlock? What? Have you ever been put into a headlock? Have, was I put into yeah. it? Has that ever happened to you? Only on a movie set. Oh, really? What was that movie? I'm not telling you. Because <laughs> they didn't have to kill you. No, I was like playing a bit part where it was like a ninja thing and we were in Forest Park and they came down and they put the... Headlocks, but I mean, it was 
Now, I really had one done um, by a friend of mine. We were play fighting, and he did it, so I, I heard him after that. Okay. A lot. You don't want to be put into a headline. This is the darkest episode. <laughs> yeah, guys. I mean, the, I, the I know I write spooky stuff, but this is all this is all a bit much. If you think that, wait till we get to the last bit of news. Oh. But we got one more, one more before the last bit. From the, let's see, this works. From the put in a headlock department. From the, that's a lot of nuts department. <laughs> that's what happens. A rare prototype of Bubba Fett action figure is currently on auction, and as of this recording, the bid is now at $157,500, which makes this prototype interesting. Is that the rocket pack on the back of the action figure actually fires? So if you remember the old Boba Fett figure from way back when, it fires. And what it was, was this action figure? I didn't hear. The Boba Fett. You remember Boba Fett Star Wars? Oh, like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it had a little red thing on the back, but it yes. never shot out anywhere. But it's apparently, this one did fire. Um, originally, from roughly, ages two and up. Roughly, <laughs> eighty to a hundred prototypes were shipped to Kenner from Hong Kong manufacturer back in the 70s for safety testing purposes, <laughs> which resulted in an only non-firing action figure when the welded missiles were stuck to the back because it was being shot out and people did not like getting shot at in the 70s with the toy. Um, yeah. About 25 of these Bubba Fett prototypes have survived and most of them didn't retain their value because they were put through rigorous testing procedures when they were manufactured. So this is one of 25 Original Bubba Fett Kenner figures that the backpack fires. Star Trek fan? Star Wars fan? No, Star, well, all Star Wars. Of, all of the, I don't, I'm not one of those people that says you have to be a Star Wars or a Star Trek fan. I am a fan of both. Okay. So, no, I, don't, I, 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 lo I love it all. Would you um, be interested in paying $157,000? No, no. I would be interested in being paid that much, <laughs> but not paying that much. I, this is a smart lady. I, like, well, you got on you? I, $150. No, no, I, I would love to be paid that much. Uh, for, for a, a, guy, a work hope, of my art, yes. I hope that guy was rich or bought it because that's <laughs> we, insane. We've done a show about collectability. Like, <laughs> you pay $157,000 for this, then what are you going to do with it? Like, realistically, are you going to shoot the thing off? Is that, is that what it's you're going like to do? It's like the Superman comic. The guy pays so, uh, $3 million? Um, yes, for, for a comic book that he's not even going to read. So at least the toy you can play with. I mean, yes. <laughs> that you can never take out of them. <laughs> but still, it's just quite... Yeah. Uh, well, this is the prototype. There was no packaging. This oh, wow. is just—it's just you know what they made back then to testing purposes because you know obviously somebody lost an eye when, when the backpack fired. Because they I, went, oh, let's see. I remember there was—I um, used to have a He-Man um, sky sled, and it had a hair trigger for the for the thing, and I used to put the toy down. And an hour or so later, I used to hear this noise, and the thing used to fire on its own. <laughs> so it's something like that. Yes. Back in the day. Oh, here we go. Back in the day, in the <laughs> late 50s, early 60s, there was a toy that was out okay. called the Johnny Yuma Cannon. All right. I owned it. I got it as a toy. You would put a plastic ball in it, a heavy plastic ball, and then take a ramrod, and it was spring-loaded, and then you fire this. <laughs> and That's it was, the toy. I the actually, toy. as a kid, I actually fired it, and the thing moved, and it went into the wall and made a hole in the wall. 
Nobody, they, they <laughs> sold toys years ago that nobody, there was no department. There was, there was no, a no. thing called Mr. Machine, all little parts, you could joke. They don't care, you know. All these toys were like, but that cannon, I remember now, because I didn't think of it back then, I was having fun. You but, have, it's all fun and games until someone loses an eye. Well, puts an eye out. That's the, Christ, well, that, it was all, that's the Christmas. Uh, the, the, the Christmas story. You'll shoot yes, your eye. Out. Your eye yes. yeah, yeah. So it was all fun and games till I put the hole in my wall. I come from an Italian family. My father wasn't too thrilled. So for the last, so I tried to shot him with the cannon. And like last bit of news. All right. Thank God. I want to get to Augustia. From the follow-up department again. Um, a few months back, before Disney bought Fox, we reported that Fox had decided to stop airing the Simpsons episode, Stark Raving Dad, from Season 3. In addition to that, it would no longer be included in future DVD season releases, which in essence removes the show from existence. Um, now that Evil Disney has put uh, launched the Disney Plus service, the very same episode is nowhere to be found. For those of you not paying attention, that is the episode one where Michael Jackson guest starred as a crazy white man who believes he is in fact the king of pop. Um, the removal comes as a response to the documentary Leaving Neverland. Uh, producer of The Simpsons says, <clears throat> Yes, it was something that makes me happy. It was something I agree with completely. What saddens me is, if you watch the documentary, which I did, and several of us here did, you watch that episode honestly, and it looks like that the episode was used by Michael Jackson for some other than what we intended it to be. It wasn't just comedy to him. It was something that was used as a tool, and I strongly believe that. To me, it is my belief, and it's why I think removing it is appropriate. I lose a little bit of money financially, but it's not something that's great personally to lose one of the most successful things I ever did, but I totally think it is right move. And I don't believe in going through and making judgments on every guest star and saying this one was bad and that one was bad, but the episode itself has a false purpose, and that's what I object to it about now. I believe that in part he used it to groom boys. I really don't know, and I should be very careful because this is not something I know personally, but as far as what I think, that's what I think, and that makes me very sad. We were just talking about this two seconds ago about victims and about um, abuse. For me personally, Good, bad, or indifferent, I think that they should not get rid of the episode because it's something that's been bothering me for a long time, which is separating the actor, the person, from the, the work that they did. I think that by removing it, you're casting judgment on something that he has not been proven guilty in a court of law, and you're changing the narrative. So now, Future People is just not going to exist of something that did exist. This goes back to what we were talking about a long time ago, about how they want to remove the General Lee flag and not show the Dukes of Hazzard TV show because it has the General Lee flag on it. It exists. It's there. It's like, just as library, East Middlesbrough Library, taking books that are offensive and just not being available. It's just trying to change the narrative. That's just my opinion of this. What do you guys think? Oh, I, I don't think you should have the General Lee flag out. It's an overtly racist symbol, so it's a it's a but harmful it's symbol. Part, part of and I also think that yeah, but I don't. I think that just making it if it's there, you're just sort of passively condoning it. So I think in certain cases, extrication of things that are harmful is not a bad thing. I don't think it's rewriting history. I think it's just taking things out that are directly harmful. 
So is that and for the, in this case of the Simpsons? I, well, I don't. I don't think that. I mean, that, that's a pretty wild shift between like but something that's right. like a. a these are very very different circumstances. So um, and not something I feel sort of comfortable at all making blanket statements about one way or another. Um, but I feel that in the same case that. I don't think there should be symbols that are actively harmful that are just in our pop culture. I'm in the case of I'm going to stand with with victims. So in 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 the case, and if this is something, the the producer of the show has every right to sort of say, hey, with further context, I don't want my show c condoning this just by its presence. And so it's the it's. It's by by all means, it's the creator's choice to do with that what they will, and if they choose to try to mitigate damage in terms of uh, making something less either less offensive to uh, you know the population or or less um, uh, you know to stand on the sides of the victims, then I'm that's where I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand with the marginalized. I'm going to stand with uh, the powerless. And I will say that you present a valid argument. I may not agree with it, but it is a valid argument, and that is the whole point of the discussion. Charlie, do you have an opinion either way I, on this? You know, when it comes to cases like this, I'm very private. I, I find that either way, whatever I say, it's I'm screwed. Right. You know? <laughs> all so right, fair enough. I just, like, I keep away from all that stuff. I have my own thoughts on that, and uh, I right, keep them enough. very private. So. Yeah, and once again, that is another uh, uh, another valid point, and I appreciate you voicing uh, uh, that as well. Oh, I appreciate you asking. A lot of shows, because they were a lot of shows that was uh, very uh, the right word term triggered, like the mm -hmm. song of the South. Remember that? Yes, one yes. Yeah, that, that's that's no crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's but people get you know they get triggered very easily nowadays, and it kind of kills the business a little bit. So I can stand on a business note why you do something like that. Yeah. So before we take a point, I just want to ask you one quick question, and uh, just a side thing just popped in my head. Um, the movie, uh, Blazing Saddles, they have um, Hitler stuff in there. Should that be removed? Well, no, because in that case, the Hitler stuff is directly making a commentary about it. So it's not, it's, it's how it's utilized. That's the, you can't just take everything, everything out. Everything, they're, they're, like I Context. It, everything has to have context, which is why I don't feel comfortable making any kind of blanket statement. I am going to tend to side with, you know, uh, with uh, the, victim. the, the yeah. victims, yes, in, in any case. However, um, in terms of if art is using satire to point up something artistically as critique, absolutely uh, there should be every right for that to be there because it's actively utilizing that as a tool to say, hey, let's examine this as a culture. So by all means, we can have the discussion. Um, and then folks can figure out from, from there what they believe. But I, I, I think in the case of Mel Brooks, he's very clear. <laughs> this Jewish director is very clear about how he's going to be using, utilizing that as a tool for education. And education through humor, you know, albeit complicated things, but, but definitely um, the nuance does need to be allowed to be a part of these kinds of discussions. Beyond the fact that you're a, a writer and an awesome guest, this stuff like this is why I like having you on. You, you <laughs> Thank really you. do give Thank you. Um, a, a well thought out answer that can be construed in many different ways, but it's, it's 
I like it. Well, these are these are complicated things, so and I, and it's, it's hard to condense that into anything with a soundbite. So I thank you. <laughs> thank you. So thank you. We're going to take our break. We'll be right back. We came from the radio. I'm Nathan Booth from Ben and Apple TV, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. Hi, you've heard my voice open and close the show. Now we want to hear your voice. If you have a business or product, you can record a commercial here. We offer 30 and 60 second spots. For more information, contact Mark at MFC underscore studios at hotmail.com. Hey guys, want to impress everyone at your next party? Shock them all with a custom cake. Anything goes. Classic wedding cakes to wild party themes. Follow my social media for weekly videos and photos. We're a Long Island-based cake shop. Custom Cakes by Christie Incorporated. K-R-I-S-T-Y. Call or text anytime. 631-606-8166. This is Michael Bell, the voice of Duke from G.I. Joe. And I am here at Cradlecom, and I am with It Came From The Radio. Now, back to our show. This is Bookworm Batson on It Came From The Radio. Today's book is Stoker and Wells, Order of the Golden Dawn by Stephen Peros and Barry Orkin. This is a graphic novel that's set in 1894 London, and in it we come across Bram Stoker and H.G. Wells. They are the hero of this story. And they're two very different characters. We have the more cerebral, constrained, mature Stoker, and then Wells as the impulsive, reckless, sort of immature wild card. They're thrown together in a time travel adventure where they're thrust 4,000 years into the future. There, they're introduced to the mutated descendants of humans, the Eloi and the Morlocks. On first glance, the Eloi are kind of domesticated sheep, and the Morlock are like wild beasts. There's a representative from each group that end up on this adventure with our heroes as they encounter a vampire. Their adventure leads to the creation of their most famous works, The Time Machine and Dracula. I like this graphic novel. It was a quick, interesting read. There was excitement and great common sense writing, a.k.a. If you're looking for plot holes, don't come here. The illustration is like the writing. It's clear, it's concise, it's interesting, it's never overwhelming. This graphic novel gets a resounding four. Pip-pip, great read. Pip-pip, great read. Pip-pip, great read. Pip-pip, great read. I loved it. I'm curious to see the continuation. Stoker and Wells, The Ashes of Revenge. This was a super good graphic novel. I recommend it. If you want your book to be reviewed, send it to Bookworm Batson, care of It Came From The Radio, Post Office Box 134, Rosedale, New York, 11422. Now, back to our show. And welcome back to It Came From The Radio, the official Com. We are here live on tape <laughs> in the source of the Samania Mall in front of a live studio audience. <laughs> show with our very special guest, Leanna Renee Hebert. Um, you were a guest uh, on our last uh, live shows like last year. Yes, right? this time this time of year. It was right around the release of the f- of first of my new series. So um, so it's good to be back. This is like an annual thing now. Yes, I, have a new, I have a new book out and so 
so, so there we are. Does that mean that now you're on the pressure to make another book for next year? Well, I already have it contracted and it's already done. So oh, it's, look at that. it's already done. I'm ahead of the curve on that one. So now we know. So that one's out in July. So. Oh, July. She's like that soap opera. She has it. Like, so it's, well, it's true. It's true. When you work in publishing, publishing is a long game. Yeah. And so when you are contracted for a book that might not be out for between one to two to sometimes two and a half years yeah. out from when you've been... Um, writing it, let alone contract it. So sometimes right. things can go up to three years. So I'm always thinking of now and also um, up ahead what's, what's you know, trying to chase the next contract. So. so when you do a contract, let's say they contract you for a book that's not going to come out for four years, does that mean you can write it within those four years? It means you have to write it as mm. soon as possible, give it to them, and they can generally get it aside. Generally speaking, four, four years out would be would be like when the end of your trilogy would be coming out. So like I knew um, that my current, uh, with Kensington, my current publisher, they, I knew that they would wanted a, a book within a year or every nine months. And so my, my contract I knew would go between 20 to 21, depending on when they were going to be uh, putting out these books, depending on their turnaround time. So you need to be about nine months out from when that contract is. So like you need to have your material upon signing. You need to have it make sure that within that year everything is done, even if it's going to be a year out from that. Because in traditional publishing, and that's that's really what I know, I, I, I love that there are independent creators out there, and I love that that's an option for folks. But personally, I, I've stuck with tra traditional publishing because I really appreciate the help that I get from my editorial team from the production department from um, both the uh, the art department that helps with the covers and all of these things um, the business of publishing is something that I'm not very good at but they're all of the people that put a book together they need a lot of time to do all of that so scheduling depends and varies from publisher to publisher but yeah you you want to have your your content done often ahead of time and then hopefully you then know what the next is going to be. If you're contracted for three books as I knew, I knew I was going to do a general three three book story arc and that everything would be wrapped up, all the mysteries would be wrapped up within these three books with characters that can can continue on um, <clears throat> if, if we so choose to continue. So we'll see. So what I think is very interesting is that because it's a period piece I find that that's actually beneficial to you because you don't have to worry about the timing of how long it takes to get the book from when you write it to when it comes out because whatever happened in the past is, is happened in the past. Mm -hmm. It's not like you're trying to write something that's happening in 2019. Right, I'm not worrying about dated references. Right. They're already dated references. So, But one of the reasons why I really like historical fantasy is because I... I like when history and invention can be together. And, and when you're writing historical fantasy, you've got both the, the fantastical element of it being a past time period, as well as there also being this element of supernatural that comes into the past. So you have this past element as a way to like lose yourself in another time period, but then you also have indulging in the spooky stuff. So. Um, I've always loved the spooky stuff, and that's and, and ghosts and spectral phenomenon. For me, were very much entwined with the type of um, 19th century fiction that I loved reading as a kid. I'm a huge Edgar Allan Poe fan. I'm 
uh, for the folks listening at home, I am I'm wearing an Edgar Allan Poe pendant around my neck. Um, you know, his work was really, really formative for me as a kid, um, merging this historical voice with something that's beautiful and terrible and, and lovely and terrifying at the same time. So I love the juxtaposition of that, which is what I try to to, to um, evoke in my work, but also featuring strong. Uh, female characters, strong friendships, uh, wonderful alliances between people from all kinds of different backgrounds and identities that are all kind of banding together to save the day. That's kind of my favorite thing to do with my books is to create sort of a Scooby gang of, of you know, of very different people who each have a different skill set that they bring to the team um, that can come together and, and try to make the world a little bit better of a place even during some very dark circumstances. Charlie. Hey, how are you? <laughs> you have a question? I don't have a question, I just have an observation about your writing. You are like one of the most creative writers, like you get every, uh, all writers are creative writers. But <laughs> not, not all. Yeah, well. We've seen but, some stuff. Yes, yeah. <laughs> You've seen things? You're absolutely We've seen right. things. <laughs> but you get these little nuances in there that actually put you, as the reader, right in the room with the person. I, and, uh, thank you. That's like, a great compliment. I'm like uh, Claire Templeton. Is it Clara Templeton? Yes, yes. One, of my, one of my favorite. Are you characters. Clara Templeton? Let me I explain. definitely have. You, you you pinpointed that there's a lot of Clara Templeton. Yeah, the heroine of the Eterna Files series, which was the series before the Spectral City series, right. and Clara does in fact appear in the Spectral City series. So she, I couldn't let her go. Yeah. I had to. I had no, to take her with me. No, you can't. You can't. She's, um, she's, she's very much. Yeah. She's very much um, the closest, probably, to me of any character that I've written, um, and that was tricky because I, she still has to be her own distinct person. Right. You, can't, you can't really completely self-insert into a book yeah. and have it be uh, as objective as you need it to be. Yeah. It's, she still needs to... She, she's, she is a, a different product of a different time period, um, even though it's a time period I, I really right. enjoy. But she is going to be a different person. Yeah. But there's definitely, probably of any of my heroines, right. I'm probably closest to Claire. There was, right in the beginning of your... Probably, I can't remember, but probably prologue or whatever, mm -hmm. where she's in the room or, or outside the room at the White House with Mr. Bishop, and they're waiting to go in to see Mary Todd Lincoln right after the assassination. You are with that kid. She was, what, 12 at <laughs> yeah, yeah. You were with that kid from the time she's standing there to the time she walks in. You know the room. You know how the room's lit. You know, and this to me is is such a gift. Thank you. When you're on the other side of that reading, but then I started saying, I think she's me. I think you're Claire Temple. You know, that's why I wanted to ask you that. <laughs> but uh, I I just love that about the book, and I look forward to the next books in the series Thank because you. it takes so long for me to, you know, finish a book, not because. But just because of my schedule. Oh, I know it's it's so, hard. It's hard. Everyone. Every, it's so enjoyable that so when you get that so. book moment, you have a writer like Lena that you can actually jump into that book with, and then you lose yourself. So when all of a sudden it's like, hey, I got to be more. <laughs> well, I appreciate that so much. I mean, I think we are. We're in a culture right now where there's so much content. There's so many things that you want to stream on all the different services. There's so much content out there. It's really hard to keep people's attention. And all of us, you know, in our culture, we're all such workaholics too. Yeah. There's there's so much to do and. 
so the idea of taking time for pleasure reading is something that's, I think, increasingly hard for folks to do. So I am grateful um, oh. that that you've made some time um, in in a busy schedule, uh, and also that that you're willing to 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 dive into my work because oh, yeah. I do I do create dense lush environments. I really want to put people there, both as a as a performer. I'm an actor, so I really lend a lot of my heart and soul to all of my characters. And I'm also a, a tour guide in New York, and I want to walk you, the reader, through the streets of New York yeah. like I was, was leading a tour, without it sounding too informational, sure. without it being like too much, like we're, you know, that we're actually on a tour. Well, which is which is another it's thing. tricky because, balance. Yeah, because you, you're such a like you're such a you get into the little things that I was going crazy for you're going from London and all of a sudden you get to Greenwood Cemetery in Brooklyn and and you make a reference to there and me from Brooklyn oh my god yeah my grandfather is in there you know in that in that cemetery and then all of a sudden we go to London so it was really great to see the references and uh I enjoyed it. It was, a, and you're right, Claire. Uh, she is a strong female. Yeah, I think it's important. I mean, as as someone who who wants to see myself in fiction, I want my readers um, from all backgrounds, you know, to see themselves in fiction. Right. You know, and so I have. Um, while I do have a lot of female heroines, because I'm right. I'm writing from their point of view, you know, it's just as important that I have, um, you know. Uh, uh, men in their world that are are good men that are helpful that are allies that are you know there are some villains both yeah. of, of all identities um, yeah. I don't I don't discriminate against villains there there's there's plenty to go around and and they're, they're all equally terrible um, but um, people rather um, I think I've, I hope that I've written them well but they are terrible people but um, but I definitely think like the the I try to have as much of human capacity yeah, as possible in my work. Totally enjoyable. I mean, everybody out there, get these books. Get whatever. <laughs> Bless you. Yes, please. Yeah, I would books. like to Go continue. Get the books. Thank yeah. you. I would like to continue writing them. So thank you. And I really can't do that if yeah. people don't pick them up. So thank you for yeah, that. Yeah. No, they. I totally enjoyed it. And I couldn't wait to get this to this show to talk to you about it because I really don't like Mark. <laughs> I will see. See, then I'm actually doing very much the the duty of my characters which is to kind of be uh, a facilitator for yes. for a better working environment here yes. so yes yeah, so my, my all my characters are are feeling very grateful yeah. that they can be a part of this truce that's happening here yeah. between these warring parties and it's, and it's great to have you here because I could get the inside track. All right, what's the next book I go to? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so for the folks who are interested in the Eternophile series, um, yeah. which you've been, as you've been so graciously describing it, I, I sort of pitch it as Victorian X-Files. Yeah. Um, it's 1882. There's international espionage. There's a dark cabal that's trying to take over the world. Um, and as so there's dark magic. I mean, as, yeah. as they tend to do, you know, whether it's, whether it's uh, um, the, the, the mouse uh, with, with all of its, you know, <laughs> All of its various um, yeah. corporate arms, or whatever, or what you know. I mean, I actually, I think, I think Disney's done a lot of really wonderful things too. Um, I also just do worry about corporate monopolies, no matter what, no matter who that might be. Um, and there was, and there was a lot of that that was happening in the 19th century. There were, you know, the robber barons of the 19th century are really no different than a lot of, you know, um, multi, you know, multifaceted 
corporations now, um, and and the the uh, both whether it's income inequality or just the gap, just just the the gap between the rich and the poor. We're seeing some of the same exact numbers now as we were in the Gilded Age. Yeah, so that's true. another thing for me that the resonance between the 19th century to now in terms of just the numbers and some of the same fights, whether it's you know labor labor union uh, struggles, um, various you know discussion about immigration. Uh, being a contentious thing, that's that's definitely was happening a lot in the late 1800s um, yeah, as now. So, and and, it, and these are complicated things. And I personally don't have an answer to all these things, but it is part of the discussion. Right. So, and, so, and that I guess answers my next question, which was from the time in the kitchen with a cup of coffee and like, oh my God, I have an idea, to the time that the book is sitting on the shelf. How how what's the time uh, line for that? It, it sort of depends when the contracts come and when my paycheck's going to come. <laughs> no, um, I'm saying in terms personally. Of, if, if, uh, ideally, <laughs> ideally, I need about a year yeah. for a really good book to be able to have the time on it. I'm not always afforded that year. Um, because of my worlds are parallel worlds, the themes that I'm working with, I often have in my head for... Uh, are, are things that I've had in my head now for the decade long I've yeah. been publishing. I, my first book came out in 2009. I just turned in book number 13. So, um, so with 13 novels out, there a lot of them are are set in parallel in a parallel world in which characters will cross over from one to the next. You don't have to have read one of my series to pick up with a separate yeah, series. Yeah. I would say read the series in order, but they're... Each and every one. So yeah, <laughs> yes, please read all of them. But yeah. um, you can, you know, this, the Spectral City series, my new series, does have characters from Eternophiles, but you don't have to have read that to, to enjoy right. Spectral City. It's its, own, it's its own universe. It's just that you're going to find familiar friends and they do have a past, and they don't necessarily want to talk about it. So they'll refer to their previous paranormal battles, right. but that's not necessarily in play in this particular book because they have a new mystery and a new problem. So, you know, always new problems to solve. Yeah. How hard is it to give enough information from one character who is in a different book make it interesting but not give too much that already happened in the other book. See, it's honestly, it's an impossible, this is, a, this is a scenario where I can't win because definitely reader responses vary because some readers have told me, oh, we, you have too much backstory in, in here. I, it doesn't really matter. And then other people are saying it's not enough. And so I really kind of can't win. I try to bring in what I feel is pertinent emotionally for the moment, um, referencing that Natalie and Jonathan, Eve Whitby's parents. Eve is the heroine in my Spectral City series, my, my latest series. Eve, Eve's parents are really not okay with the fact that she has all this paranormal stuff happening to her. She's a gifted medium. She talks with spirits, and the spirits help her solve mysteries in New York in 1899 Manhattan. And so the history that she has with her parents is very strained because they they went through a supernatural battle when they were teenagers and they had a terrible time and they want nothing to do with it. So that strain is very much in play, even though they don't go into why it was so traumatic. I also think it's interesting to think about family dynamics um, and, and how, how much do you tell people, um, especially if you've been through, um, been through heck. I mean, my grandfather didn't talk about the t his time in the war, um, even though I would have I loved to have heard his stories sure. and honored his stories and honored his service. Um, but there are things that I, but I also respected the fact that he didn't want to talk about. <laughs> so, uh, you know, 
these kinds of information of how, you know, these kinds of choices I have to make about how much information to put in, it varies moment, you know, it varies book to book, but really for me the emotional through line is I want to make sure it's information that is pertinent to the moment because otherwise um, it will slow down the pacing. And that's something I'm, I'm always trying to be cognizant of, although I'm, I'm a bit more of a character-driven novelist. So I'm going to leave you probably with a little more information about their emotional interior than not, because I would rather you have that information, um, whereas other writers might decide that they want more of a quicker plot in immediacy and not so much of the emotional backstory. So it's going to be some reader preferences, and my, my readers seem to sort of um, be on both sides of the fence about it, but those who, who find and love my work and the, and the various cross-genre elements, um, mm -hmm. you know, you're mentioning that there's a lot that's going on here. Um, it's one of my reviewers said it's boundlessly creative gas lamp fan fantasy. So boundlessly creative gas lamp fantasy is kind of a great little tagline yeah. because the idea, I really try not to constrain myself with um, what I want to be possible in my in my books, right. um, as long as you know the hero save the day, um, yeah. and 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 the and the good folks triumph. So yeah. as long as they they get to that last page and go, yeah, yeah, and it's, it's, I'm, I'm not wanting it. for anything. <laughs> right, I got right. everything right, right there. It's not like a a Sopranos ending like. <laughs> well, I will say there is my first, my first, my first Eternophiles book though. It was a cliffhanger, and I got a lot before before the second book was out. Before the second book was out. Now that the second book is out, people in the, the trilogy is complete. The Eternophiles trilogy, all three books are complete. And uh, but when that that first book was a cliffhanger, and I got so many angry emails about it. I know you had another so. so. That's, you know, that's even bad because you go, oh my God, I can't wait to get the other book. Now. Yeah, no, I made a lot of people mad, actually. Yeah. A lot of people don't like the cliffhanger. So I will never do that abrupt of a cliffhanger yeah. ever again, I promise. Yeah. I learned my lesson. It's yeah. actually funny you mention that because um, back in the day when Empire Strikes Back came out mm -hmm. and it was ended on a cliffhanger, people were so upset yep. at the time. But now it's such a different world how they receive well, it. It's, it's weird how that happens. Um, but on that same level, with your fans, there has it gotten to a point where your fans know more about the characters than you do? Because if you, because now the, the bigger, the more expansive the universe gets, you have to make sure each and every single little thing matches up. Do you have like it's a really giant true. notebook? No, I don't, and that's what's terrible. So I I, I rely on. Um, on, on myself going back and rereading certain passages, um, and I don't. And I should have a spreadsheet. I should see the, the spirits are at it again. Feel like yes, um, yes. The spirits, Just don't say come in. The spirit. Right? No, right, exactly. You know, yeah. got to be careful what you invite. Um, but the uh, see, it's true. All right, all right, spirits. I hear you. Sorry, so for, for the so people who are listening on the show. The, things are moving around. Is falling We're down. having a poltergeist moment here, for, for friends. So. Um, so yeah, so the um, the my fans are wonderful and loyal and lovely and perfect, and um, I am really grateful that they're um, uh, several of them are going to be helping put a wiki together, which oh, is great. Okay, cool. So there's a um, there's a fandom wiki um, site, and that there there's already a strangely beautiful uh, sort of a Heberverse. Um, kind of, uh, both for my Strange and Beautiful saga and going forward with each of my series, there is sort of a Heberverse fandom 
wiki that's happening and it's in it's a work in progress so because I I could try to populate all that information myself but then I would be late on the next book so um, writing the next book is is always 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 the the, yes above all you can so with everything that's out you can have your own convention I mean, yeah, I mean, like I, that'd be great. I, yeah, would, I would love it. But only they can't call it Eternal Con. No, no it's true. <laughs> that's, that's already taken. That's already that's taken. Already taken. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. So we have less than five minutes to go. So it's social media time. Where can people find more about your books? Where can people buy stuff? All that stuff, get it out now. All right, so Leanne Don't ever tell what to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will, I will always take an, an invitation to, <laughs> to sell my work. Um, so... Um, LeannaReneeHeber.com, so L-E-A-N-N-A-R-E-N-E-E-H-I-E-B-E-R.com. Um, I'm on Twitter at Leanna Renee, L-E-A-N-N-A-R-E-N-E-E. Uh, my full name is on Instagram. Uh, I am... I have a Facebook uh, author page, but I'm not on Facebook nearly as much as I am on Twitter. Publishing is very active on Twitter, so that's where I spend most of my social media time is on Twitter. Um, and uh, yeah, so look, please do look for the Spectral City series because that's where my all of my focus is right now. The latest book just dropped, and that is called A Sanctuary of Spirits, and it's the second in my Spectral City series, and uh, I'm really excited about it. Yes, from Kensington. So yes, my business partners reminding me to, <laughs> to to note the company name. Yes, I, I've been with many publishers. I'm really having a wonderful time uh, working with Kensington now. And you were kind enough to give away a prize. I was kind enough to give away our live studio audience. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna do what? It's your choice. So we also have a separate prize from the fine folks at the WinterCon. You're gonna two tickets. It's your choice if you want it to be a separate or you want everybody to get one big prize package. Well, let's, let's share the love and separate it out. Share the love, separate it out. All right, so the grand prize, which is the book. Anything else? Um, how many prizes are there? Because I also have, there's also books from Kensington to get. Right, so everybody's so we'll, going to get a prize. So we'll have three, three, three prizes. Three prizes, yes. Your book, Kensington, yes. uh, Kensington package. Yes. And two tickets to the WinterCon. Okay. So, first winner. Okay, our first winner is... Well, your book number is... 544... 544... 694. 694. package. So three three different books from Kensington. Those are advanced reader copies. So and there's there's Endurance supernatural and suspense and thrillers. Unsettling grave, unsettled grave, and some choose darkness. Mm-hmm. Winner is five four four six nine seven six nine seven. Yeah. Yay! And finally, the two tickets to WinterCon which is going to be on November 23rd and 24th at the Results World in Queens. Woohoo! 544-696! We will get your name and we'll put you on their list. Your name will be on the list. That's fantastic. So good job, we'll get your name on the list and you'll be able to get there for free. So once again, we always have other awesome stuff that we give away at the live show, so make sure you guys attend the next one. So great. Um, We're at final thought time. So final thoughts. So Charlie, since you are furthest from me, you get your final thoughts. Charlie, go! Final Um, thought! 
Final thought is, check this lady out, get the books. Um, you will you will enjoy every book you get from this lady. <laughs> she you. is one of the, my favorite writers. <laughs> Bless you. Leanna, final thought? Um, final thought is, um, be good to each other. Um, I think that um, this the, in this world right now, there's a lot of, of, of pain, and so, one of the things my characters would want for 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 my readership is is to for your heart to be warmed, for you to find friendship and comfort. So um, look around you and try to take care of somebody today. Oh, that's right. <laughs> my final thought is this: once again, thank you for coming down and in front of a live studio audience. Yeah. In addition to being an awesome author and actress, you are a really cool person, a really great guest. Thank so you. I really do enjoy you having me down here. And I look forward to you coming down when the next book comes out. Thank you. Um, our next uh, live show will be on Wednesday, December 11th at 7 p.m. at the Samania Mall on the second floor at the food court. Um, it's going to be guest Eddie Avalia from One Day from Day One Comic will be giving away a comic of his, and we're also going to be giving away a Star Wars print from our friend uh, Jared Burrell. Uh, nice. So make sure you guys come down for that. Join us right here and every week on this show. If you miss any part of this show, Tough. go to our website, www.camefromradio.com. Listen to the archives. will be up in a week or so. Or check us out on such places as Overcast, Pocket Cast, iHeartRadio, Google Play, iTunes, Rika, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Spotify, Podbean, Player FM, Soundcast, Acast, Castbox, TuneIn, Stitcher, Podmus, Luminary, Blueberry, Mixfile, Apple Podcasts, Deezer, Podcast Addict, Castro. You can also uh, get the Alexa skill. We have a Facebook page, we have a Twitter page, and that is it. Or as our uh, Just Google, it came said, from the radio. Just Google, it came from the radio. We will see you next time. And here we go. That's it. You have been listening to It Came From The Radio with Mark Torres. The views of the show's hosts and guests did not necessarily reflect that of the management, owners, or staff of the station. We now return you to your earthly scheduled broadcast. <laughs>